Well, welcome to Vertical Life Church. My name is Joey. For those of you that are new, I'm the lead pastor here, and I just want to say welcome to you and thank you for choosing to spend some of your Sunday morning here with us, and we pray that you are encountering the presence of God, because in the presence of God, there is love, there is joy, there is peace, where you discover that you matter to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and, uh, and we believe that. We believe everyone matters to God, and so I just pray that your heart is open to what God wants to do in your life today. Uh, today, uh, I just want to declare that we're going through a new season in the life of our church, and we're endeavoring to kind of change the culture and really create a church where each one of us can help one another experience his love by becoming a church that is driven by his love. Everything we do, we want to be driven by the love of God. We want to be driven by excellence, giving God everything we are in our worship, in our service, in in the things that he has called us to do. We are committed to the call of Christ, in the cause of Christ, telling everyone we know about Jesus, what he did for us on the cross, and how you can have a transformative experience, a completely life-changing experience when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And everything we do here on Sunday morning is a result of what he did for us 2,000 years ago. And so we're committed to the ministry of the church, the ministry of the gospel, and we also endeavor to be a spirit-filled church Because the presence of God is what transforms lives. And when God's presence is in us, when we are filled with the Spirit as individuals, and we come together as Spirit-filled people, miracles happen. And and, and just, I'm just so thankful that God has begun to lead us on this journey. I'm also thankful that we have a place like this to meet, this auditorium, and at this school. And that God has blessed us with an opportunity to be embedded at the heart of our community, to, uh, to leverage the, these relationships that we're building and the resources he's given us, not just to meet for worship, but also to be a strategic partner in the community for the kingdom, kingdom of God. He's placed us in a unique position, and just because we meet here, we have the ability to reach and connect with people that other ministries have a little bit more of a difficulty in doing. And so I'm excited to... Uh, to see what God is going to do through Vertical Life Church as we continue to partner with other leaders for the kingdom of God. Um, We also have an opportunity to make an impact in our kingdom coming up uh, in October 7th for the kingdom of God right here in our community. Mike Benson, who is the head of the Conquerors, the strongman team we brought in uh, earlier this year, uh, he'll be here speaking to kind of help round off our uh, series on the Holy Spirit. He is an incredible speaker. God has anointed him with a very special ministry, and I've talked with him about kind of what God's been doing in our lives and what we've been studying through this series, and he is pumped and excited to see what the Holy Spirit of God will do among us when he's here. And so you definitely don't want to miss that October 7th. Invite your friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, those that don't go to church, those that do go to church. We just want God to uh, be able to have as many touches in that in this place on that day as we can. Also, a few other announcements quickly before we get into the message is coming up October the 20th, our Celebrate Recovery is going to be launching a new women's step study. So if you were not able to be a part of the first step study for the Celebrate Recovery program and are interested in getting connected to Celebrate Recovery, coming up October the 20th, we'll be launching a new step study for the women. And then also looking towards January for being the the soft launch for the actual full-on Celebrate Recovery program where we meet and we have a meal together and worship service and a time to share, learn about the principles and really help people on their road to recovery. And again, this covers every area, not just drugs and alcohol. This covers grief, loss, uh, loneliness, any and everything, anxiety, depression, anything that you battle or wrestle with, Celebrate Recovery is here for you. So uh, be praying about that ministry. Be praying about how we continue to connect with other community leaders and the partnership we have with New Covenant as we bring this ministry to the Clio area. 
And then also uh, coming up on October the 21st in a couple weeks, uh, again, the, the last pop can drive we did for Operation Christmas Child, we raised uh, around $180, which was great. We almost have what we need to, to pay for the shipping for the boxes that we want to put together. But to kind of help finish that off, October 21st, we're going to be having a bake sale right out here in our lobby. So uh, on the 21st, we also have a missionary with us. So bring some uh, extra cash with you. To, uh, to one, bless our missionary with a love offering, but then two, to get some unnecessary uh, carbohydrates to take along with you and maybe end your Sunday lunch with your family with something sweet. So I uh, definitely want to plan for that, and that will help cover the cost of the shipping for the Operation Christmas Child. And uh, I just appreciate everyone's generosity and willingness to, to partner to see what God is going to do through that as well as we touch children all over the world who have never heard the gospel and who may have never had a Christmas gift encounter the love of Christ on that very special day. We are in week six of our series, The Wind, discovering who is the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do, what is his ministry in the church, and more importantly about the gifts of the Spirit, the very gifts that he gives, the gifts that Paul said we should earnestly desire that we should chase after, pursue, and that we should pursue these so that we can help build up and strengthen the church. And today we're going to cover one of, I believe, a very important subject about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Today we're going to see that the Holy Spirit is God's healer. He is God's healer. And before we get into the message, I just want to pray, and I just want to uh, draw our hearts into the very presence of God. And Father in heaven, we stand here in humility and humbleness, recognizing how great you are. Jesus said when we pray, we should pray like this, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, your name is above every other name. There is no other name like your name. And we know that when Christ returns, that Jesus is going to be set above all that there is because there's no other name like his name. His name is a name that is above every name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord of lords, King of kings, to the glory of God our Father. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, great God. Thank you, Jesus for not just breathing life and breath into us when we were born, when you created all things into existence, but thank you for breathing new life into us when we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Thank you, God, for forgiveness of sins. Thank you, God, for restoring relationship. Thank you, Lord, that true fulfillment, true peace, true purpose, everything we long for and crave in this world is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And you give us that fulfillment, that peace freely by your grace as your love fills our hearts as we trust and follow you in faith. So, Father, right now I just recognize your power, your glory, your authority. We put all things into your hands. We take our hands off of our lives, off of our ears, off of our hearts, off of the next few moments, and we ask you, Lord, speak, move. Let your presence fall. Let the Spirit just fill this room, fill this place. God, draw us in. Help us to lean in right now in the name of Jesus. And I just thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do. I thank you for your promises fulfilled in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just feel the Holy Spirit all over this place. That means I think something incredible is getting ready to happen. Thank you, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Spirit is God's healer. And if you think about this very topic, we must recognize that it was not Jesus alone who healed. When we think of the ministry of Christ as he was here on the earth preaching and teaching, we often think about his miracles, right? We think about how he healed the lame and the blind could see, and he raised even people from the dead. This was a very powerful ministry, a healing ministry, but it was not Jesus alone who healed, because the healing power that went out from Jesus that we see time and time again, it was the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't Jesus alone who healed, but it was the very power of the Spirit that flowed through him. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, the Bible says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth 
with the Holy Spirit and with power. It was the Spirit of God and the power that came as a result of the Spirit that enabled Jesus to do the very things he was able to do. Once he received the anointing and once he received the power, look what it says. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You want to know why we don't hear about miracles from Christ and why we don't know much about Jesus until after the point he was baptized is because until his baptism and the Spirit of God descended upon him and filled him in fullness, his ministry of miracles had not yet begun. It was the baptism in the Spirit, the filling of power, where God anointed him and said, okay, son, now is the time. Now go turn this world upside down. And that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that empowered his ministry, is the same spirit that we have living inside of us, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If it were not for the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus could not have healed, because the spirit is God's source of power. There are three persons in the Trinity, three people that make up God himself. They are interconnected and interdependent. You cannot have Christ without the Father, the Father without the Son, and the Son without the Holy Spirit. The three together make up God, and Jesus relied solely on the power of the Spirit to do the very miraculous things he was able to do. And that same anointing that was on Jesus, the same anointing that enabled him to do the miraculous things that he did is the very same anointing that has been passed to the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That means the church is a very powerful thing because the church is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit falls on those who believe in Christ, who trust in him as Lord and Savior, when they are baptized into the Spirit and filled by Jesus himself. When Jesus immerses us into the Spirit, we receive that power to be his witnesses. We've been talking all through this series. Again, if you haven't been here, if you've missed some of these weeks, it's important to, to follow up where we've been. You can go online to our website at www.vlchurch.tv forward slash messages online. And all of the messages in the series are up on the website. You can catch up because we've covered these things through this series. But the evidence, one of the evidences of the power of the Spirit that we've been talking through through this series are the gifts that the Spirit gives. Paul talks about these gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, and that's not all the gifts because he talks about other gifts in Romans, and Peter talks about other gifts. There are many things the Spirit gives believers in Christ to become his witnesses, to build up the church. But one of the gifts that he gives, and what we're focusing on today, is the gift of healing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, this is what Paul writes to the church of Ephesus, or to the church of Corinth, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, the same Spirit gives great faith to another, and someone else, the one Spirit, gives the gift of healing. Now, this is a gift, the gift of healing. Just as Christ healed, we too are given gifts of healing. And what's important to understand about this verse is that as it was translated into the English language, it, it was not translated very accurately. This is actually kind of a poor translation because in the original language, in the Greek language, this letter from Paul was written to the church of Corinth. The word healing in this verse is actually written in the plural sense. So if we were to translate it accurately into the English language, it is not the gift of healing. It is the gift of healings. The gift of healings. And this is important. It matters. I believe it matters because the, there are different ways in which we can be healed. The different ways in which God wants to heal us. Different ways in which we should be healed. And I think most of us, when we think of healing, well, what we automatically think is just healing in our bodies from sickness. We got a cold, we want to be healed. We got a broken leg, we want to be healed. But the sickness of the body is only one way in which we can be and only one way in which God wills for us to be healed. And the other important thing to understand is healing is part of the birthright of the church. This is part of the victory we have in Jesus and what he won for us on the cross. 
An important scripture to, to know, to understand in regards to healing is found in Isaiah chapter 53. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Isaiah 53. We're just going to look at a few verses and, and then talk about them. But in Isaiah 53, we really get kind of a description of what Jesus accomplished on the cross for us as he died for our sins. In Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 3, and if you would, the verses should be on the screen. Read this with me. All right, let's just declare the word of God together. Beginning in verse 3, it says, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole, and he was whipped so we could be healed. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, our Lord. Thank you. Jesus bore our sins, our transgressions. Every lash was our lash. Every nail was our nail. Every beating was our beating, and he took it for us. Now, this passage of Scripture says some pretty significant things about healing, and there are really a few key words here found in verse 4 that we want to look at today. The word translated as weakness here in Isaiah 53, verse 4, in the King James, you might read it as griefs, uh, but this word weakness literally in the Hebrew is a malady or sickness of the body. So where it says that it was our weakness he carried, it's really it was our sickness, our weakness in the body, our malady, our sicknesses that Jesus carried. Jesus' death begins the process of reversing the effect of sin and death, this curse that we have had on our lives since the moment Adam and Eve chose to bite the forbidden fruit. The moment mankind sinned, it unleashed the curse of sin and death, and death has been showing its ugly head, and one of the main ways we can see death alive and at work in our world is through the weaknesses or the sicknesses in our body. Prior to the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, there was no sickness. There was no death. But after sin, there became sickness. And so while we remain in a sin-cursed earth, and we will definitely taste death one day, at least unless Jesus comes back first, which I'm praying for. You guys want, might want to join me in that. It'd be kind of a cool thing, you know, to see Jesus come back and not have to die. But uh, until he does, we know this curse is still alive in the world. And one day, each of us, unless he returns, will taste death. But the death of Christ on the cross has begun to reverse this curse, and instead of a curse of sin and death, for the church, for those who believe, are destined for a life of healing and health in our body. One day, this cursed body we have will be transformed into a body that will not be cursed. This body that is destined for death, one day will live forever, be eternal. There will be no sickness, no pain, no suffering. This is what Christ has afforded for us on the cross. The second word in verse 4 that we want to look at is the word sorrow. And in the original language in the Hebrew, this word literally means anguish. And it can refer to both physical and emotional, but I believe in the context here, as we've already discussed physical sickness, that now this word anguish is speaking of sickness of the soul or emotional torment. So not only did Jesus bear our weakness in the body, our sicknesses in our body, he has also bore the sickness in our soul, our emotional struggles, our emotional curses. This, this world, we all know, is a painful place to live in. This is a painful place. We don't have to live in an indigenous country that's war-torn to not be affected by pain or to be affected by pain. Every one of us, at some level, is affected by pain especially emotional pain. And not only do we need healing for our bodies, but we also need healing for our entire soul. This is the psyche. This is the mind, the will, and the emotions. 
Jesus did not just bear our sickness in our body, but he also bore our emotional anguish, our emotional pain, our emotional sickness, the sickness of the soul. And finally, in verse 5, we see that it says, he was crushed for our sins. This is spiritual sickness. All of us were born with a sinful nature. Paul in Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, all have fallen short of God's glorious standard. There is no one without sin. And the wages of sin, what we earn because of sin, is spiritual death. We are born into this world with a dead spirit. We have a spiritual sickness. And what did Jesus do? But he bore our spiritual sickness. He bore our sins. And when we chose to place our trust in Christ in his death and resurrection, the power of the Spirit came into our spirit and breathed in new life. God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He bore our spiritual sickness. So Jesus' sacrifice on the cross accomplished these things. He not only won the right and ability for us to be physically healed and emotionally healed and spiritually healed, but in verse 5, it also says he was beaten so we could be whole. This is the Hebrew word shalom. It, it refers to peace or completeness. That it's not just in, in a, a partial healing, but it's a holistic healing. It is the entirety of our being, body, soul, and spirit, that we could be restored. We could be whole. And it was by the stripes of Christ that we are healed. We are healed not just in body, not just in soul, not just in spirit, but we are healed in shalom, in completeness, completely. The word healed is also the word rafa, which means cured, repaired, or to be made healthy. So Christ on the cross, through his death, through the spilling of his blood, won us the right to be healed, paved the way for us to be healed. Before Christ, there was sickness and death. After Christ, there is healing and abundant life. Jesus paved the way. And he passed this mantle of healing from the ministry that he had while he was here. He passed this mantle of healing onto the church when he anointed us with power through the baptism into the Holy Spirit. And the healings that we experience through this gift, through the gift of the Spirit, can be the healings of the mind, the body, and the Spirit. There are multiple ways to be healed. The spirit is healed at salvation when your sins are forgiven, and the mind and the body are healed through a really fancy word we call sanctification. This is the process of becoming like Jesus Christ as we learn to undo the curse of sin and death in our own lives, to overcome the power of the enemy. Now, there is much debate about the gift of healing. Uh, and honestly, growing up, again, as, as we talked through this series, a lot of this stuff I never used to believe. I, I knew God healed, but it was almost just like a roll of the dice. I'm going to, we'll pray for somebody, and maybe God will decide to do it. Maybe he won't. We never really knew if it would be. It was, it was just kind of like, well, you know, oh, they were healed, praise God, or they weren't healed. Well, I guess God said no, you know. There, we just didn't really have a lot of faith that God was going to heal. It was, it was very difficult. And what made matters worse is that we would see these televangelists on TV, you know, the guys that are like, you know, you need healing? Send me $5 million and I'll pray and you'll receive your healing. You know, these charlatans that try to uh, work people uh, through emotional appeal out of their money. And that just made uh, matters worse. And I just used to use that as an argument. Well, those, those guys, you know, they're, they're whipping people with, with their coats and people are falling over. And then you find out through a television interview that they were paid to do that and all this stuff. And you're like, ah, just stuff is a bunch of nonsense. And so I never used to believe that people who said God would heal through them if they laid hands and prayed, that would it actually happen. And, and so um, it was very difficult for me to get over that. And what happens when these charlatans, these, these fake healers, do their ministry and, and they're found out is that they feel people that, that have hope that they might be healed, that they turn that hope into discouragement because they end up blaming the person that didn't get healed on their own lack of faith. 
Well, you didn't have enough faith, so that's why you didn't get healed. And it becomes very discouraging. Uh, and it e- including, it increases skepticism on those like myself who didn't believe that this could ever happen before. Just like, yeah, well, they're just, they, they don't even know what they're talking about. They're, what they're practicing is nonsense. And so the, these, these fake preachers, these fake healers, do a number on our faith and increase skepticism. So what I want to do is I want to just reaffirm that we are people of the truth. We are people of the Bible. Scripture says Jesus won our right to be healed. The Bible says that the Spirit gives us the gifts of healing, that there are healings that that are part of the birthright of the church. So this isn't an if thing. This is a for sure thing. This is something God has said is true. And so what I want to do is address a few concerns about healing that hinder our faith to pursue healing in our lives and to give us a healthy, more well-rounded view of this subject. And at the end of our service, during the response time, I'm going to invite those of you who need to be healed, that you need healing, whether it's physical there's pain in your body, whether it's emotional, you're struggling with, with these things, or maybe it's spiritual. Maybe you've never trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're still guilty and dead in your sins. That if you were to die today, you don't know if you'd go to heaven. It's just kind of a wonder. Well, maybe I think I'm a good person, but I don't really know for sure. The Bible says that until you've repented of your sins and turned to God through Christ, you are dead in your sins. You need to trust in Jesus. You need to begin a relationship with him. At the end of our service today, if you've never trusted in Christ, come forward and allow us to lead you into that prayer that will bring healing to your spirit, that will breathe new life into you, that will change and transform your life as you begin a relationship with God. But we have physical, emotional, and spiritual healing. The first hindrance to healing that I want to talk about really is the issue with faith. The question that we always used to ask is, do I have to have faith to be healed? If I want to be healed miraculously or I want to see someone healed miraculously, do we need to have faith? And the simple answer to that question is yes. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith, right? We have to have faith. James 1, 6, and 7 says... But when you ask him, and this is for anything, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. I think James is pretty clear. If we want to receive something from God, if we're asking God for something, it needs to have a level of faith. It needs to be trusting in God and God alone. Every spiritual gift that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, every spiritual gift we could have takes a measure of faith to receive and to walk in it. To receive it and to walk in it. To be an instrument of someone's healing or to be healed ourselves. But though it takes faith, however... It is not the level of your faith that determines whether you are healed or not healed. It is the grace of God. It is not the level of your faith. There was a man with a demon-possessed child who came to Jesus one day to be healed. He had been with the disciples. He'd been with all the the 12 disciples, and neither of them could could heal the kid. They they didn't know what to do, and and they were just kind of throwing their hands up, saying, oh, well. And so the man said, well, I'm going to bring him to Jesus. And so he brought him to Jesus to be healed. And we read this account in Mark chapter 9, verse 23. And so he says to Jesus, will you heal my son? Please, if you can heal him, heal him. And Jesus has a very interesting response in Mark 9, 23. Here's what he says. He says, what do you mean if I can, asked Jesus. So here Jesus is doing these miracles. He has all this authority. And the guy comes up and says, if you can heal my son, would you heal him? And Jesus says, if I can heal him, right? You're not trusting. You're not believing. But Jesus says this. He says, anything is possible if a person, what? Believes. Anything is possible. It is impossible with man, but with God, all things are possible. It is possible if a person believes. And then here's the attitude of the father. He says, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe. I know you can do it. 
But there's a lot of doubt and discouragement in my heart. You see, this man had been the father of this child for many, many, many years. He had struggled with discouragement. He was now facing the failure of other Jesus followers who couldn't do the miracle. His faith was struggling. And you know, there's some of you here today that you're in this same position. You believe God can heal you. But you've been dealing with years and years of failure from other ministers in the, in the church, from other evangelists and, and other people who promised you things. You're, you're struggling with experiences of discouragement and years and years of hardship because of what you've been dealing with. And, and you could say today, you know, I believe God can heal me, but I'm not sure if he will heal me. Because right now, with everything I've gone through, my doubt, my unbelief is kind of exceeding my belief. And it only adds to hopelessness and the struggle. And today, you might be able to say, you know what, I have more of an if you can heal faith than a I know you can heal faith. Today, you know, Pastor Joey, I, I know God has the power, but I have more of an if you can heal faith than a I know you can heal faith. And this is where this father was. This is where he was. He was at the end of his rope. He didn't know what else to do. He'd been to all the doctors. No one could help him. Been to all the disciples, all the church people. No one could help him. And here he is at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus has compassion on this man. He has compassion on him. And then he heals the boy. Sets him free. And what I take from this story is that it's not like God has a faith thermometer and says, until your faith reaches 100 degrees, okay, then I'm going to heal you. No. He's not waiting for your faith temperature to rise enough to heal you. Because Jesus also said, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could speak to a mountain and move it from its place. A mustard seed's pretty small. So faith to heal the body, that's nothing to God. It doesn't take mountain-sized faith to receive healing if it only takes mustard-sized faith to move a mountain. Jesus desires to heal. It brings him great joy to heal, for every healing he does brings glory to the Father. But God will not choose to heal where there is unbelief. In Mark 6, 1 through 6, we see this really clarified. Beginning in verse 1, says, Jesus left the part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. And they asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed and said, he's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. His sisters lived right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Jesus was amazed at the unbelief of these people. This passage of scripture records that Jesus was in his hometown, his own village. And it wasn't that he didn't want to do many miracles, it's that he could not do many miracles. And the first thing I notice is that, again, it's not that he didn't want to. This is what we need to get resolved in our hearts. Jesus afforded our healing on the cross. It is God's will. It is his heart. It is his love and compassion that says, I want to heal you. Come to me, all who you are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. It is not that he didn't want to do the miracles. It's that he couldn't do as many as he wanted because of their unbelief. That is an amazingly powerful truth, that God not only loves me, but that he wants to heal me. I mean, does that ring in your spirit, that God not only loves me, but that he wants to heal me? He wants to do the miraculous in my life, because God wants good for me, Jesus gives us that abundant life. He died so we could be healed. And God, not reluctantly, but passionately, wants to heal. It pleases him to heal. Why? Because he's a good, good father. He's a good daddy. Those who couldn't receive the healing 
were the ones who didn't believe. And it's not that they didn't believe that Jesus couldn't do miracles, that he couldn't heal. Read the account again. It says they were amazed. They were awestruck. Where did his wisdom and power to do miracles come from? They were watching him do the miracles. They were watching him do these very things. They were marveling at his power. They simply just didn't believe who he was. And that was the Messiah. They saw the works, but they rejected Jesus as the Messiah. And they robbed themselves of the blessing of divine healing. And this is where we get the understanding of faithlessness or unbelief mixed up with healing. It's not that you don't have a thousand percent of faith that God is going to heal you. It's whether or not you recognize where the healing comes from. It comes from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Those who believed were the ones who received their healing. They came forward to be healed. The few sick that were healed And I truly believe God still heals today. I've seen him do it. I've seen him heal with my own eyes in experiences that can only come from God. And I understand that there are some in this world today that don't receive their healing. People still die. Some people we pray and pray for and they they are not healed. And I have to wonder that if the same reason why some do not receive healing today is not only because they just don't ask for it because they don't believe God will, or they don't come forward to be prayed over during a worship gathering as we invite people to do every week in our services. Maybe it's because of pride or maybe the fear of being let down. I'm not going to go forward because what if it doesn't come, that type of a thing. But I think one of the reasons why people don't receive healing today is because in the core of their hearts, they don't really believe Jesus will heal. And they don't believe Jesus will heal because they don't really know who he is. He is the healer. They don't believe who he is. And he heals in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that healed through Jesus is the same spirit that's been given to the church. The same spirit that is with us right here in this moment. I was talking to a guy this week. I was talking to a guy this week that, uh, that I'm working with. And he was having some shoulder pain. And uh, as I was talking to him, found out, you know, he goes to church. His family goes to church in the area. And, uh, and so I was like, hey, man, well, let's pray for your shoulder. And he's like, nah, nah, I, you don't got to do that. And I was like, why not, man? I'll just pray for your shoulder. And he said, no, I think God has better things to do than to heal my shoulder. And as I was thinking about what he said, I was like, God has better things to do. I'm sitting here, and I'm kind of like beside myself. I'm like, dude. You don't know who my Jesus is. You don't don't know who my God is. You don't know that Jesus died on the cross so that you could be healed. You You don't understand who this God is that I serve. You don't understand that my God, my Father, loves to do good things for his children. It is pleasing to him to heal his children. You, you must not know this God that I know. And so I said to him, just, just a really quick quip, I said, if Jesus is too busy to heal you, then he wouldn't have done as many miracles he did when he was here the first time. If he's too busy, Jesus died for you but won't heal you? Does that make sense? No. You must not know the God I know. And so, before we left, we laid hands on him and prayed. And he took off as fast as humanly possible. And uh, I didn't know whether or not he was healed or not. I actually talked to him a couple days later, and his shoulder was still bothering him. And, and, uh, and I was like, well, you know, I, can't, I don't have an answer for that, but I'm willing to pray for you again. Because I believe that God will heal if we're persistent and we trust But what happened in that moment, even though his shoulder wasn't restored, his heart was different. Because rather than being resistant, he started asking me all sorts of questions about Jesus, about God, about the ministry, about our life of faith. And I could see the Spirit drawing him in. What he did encounter was the love of Christ. And that's just as powerful sometimes. So my prayer is that he has a radical encounter with the love and power of God, and I believe God is working on him, and I pray that God will heal him and that he'll become a shining beacon for the cause of Christ. 
And let me show you. Maybe you're here today and you've kind of had that same feeling. You know, I know God can. I don't think he will. Maybe he's too busy. Let me show you what the Bible says about our God, about Jesus. In Matthew 4, 24, here's what, it, here's what the gospel records. Right? This is under the inspiration of the Spirit. Matthew is recording this about Christ. Here's what the Bible says about Jesus. News about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick, and whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them what? All. We don't serve a he healed just some kind of God. We serve a he healed them all kind of God. He is the healer, and he heals in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this, church. Let your faith arise this morning. Begin to wrap your heads around this truth. Jesus is not too busy to heal. He wants to heal you. The Spirit of God wants to touch your life. The Spirit of God who administers the healing does not run out of power when he gets to you. He has more than enough power to heal every kind of sickness in every person. If he holds all of creation into his hands, what is what you deal with? That's nothing. But you have to believe Jesus is who he is. He is Jehovah Rapha. He's the God who heals. He is the great physician. And it is his will to heal you. And maybe you're here today and you're in need of healing. May it be you've not received the healing because you haven't believed he wants to heal you and that he will heal you. And you haven't believed that he's not going to heal you. You haven't believed he is going to heal you because you really haven't believed he is who he is. He is the healer. And because you haven't believed, you lack the faith to pursue him to be healed. And so the healing power of the Spirit hasn't fallen on you. Or maybe he's not been able to flow through you like maybe you wanted as you've tried to pray for other people because of not truly believing in your heart. He is who he is. Jesus was teaching on prayer one time in Luke chapter 11, verse 5 through 10. This is what Jesus says about asking God for, for things. And he says this, beginning in verse 5. He says, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread, and you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit. I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed, and I can't help you. Here, here's the story. that This guy has a friend come over late at night, and he's got nothing. His fridge, his cupboards are bare. Probably came on a Thursday. Payday hadn't come yet. Right, right. So it's a Thursday night. He's got nothing in his house. A friend stays over late, and he's like, man, this guy's hungry. I got to be a good host. I got to take care of him. So he goes next door to his neighbor's house and begins knocking on the door and asks, hey, can you help me out? But his neighbor says, I cannot help you. My family's in for the night. The doors are locked. The dogs are put away. My, I'm sleeping in my boxers. It's too cold to get out of my bed. It's not happening for you. Come back in the morning. Let the sun come up. Let the ground get warm. Then maybe I'll think about it. But here's what Jesus says in verse 8. He says this, and this is very important. We're talking about trusting in the Lord, asking God in faith. He says, I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus is talking about asking God for the miraculous, for God to do things in your life. And he's saying if we truly want to receive something from the Lord, one prayer is not going to cut it. One drive-through prayer throwing in your order, God help me out, is not going to cut it. We need the faith to have an unrelenting pursuit of what we're asking for, not to give up until we receive it, not to give up until we cross the, fr the finish line. 
The disciples could not heal that young man, could not heal that boy, because they didn't have the faith to keep asking and keep trusting. And it would have been easy for that father to watch their lack of faith and say, you know what? If they can't do it, then it's probably not going to happen. I might as well give up and just accept this as my lot in life. But he did not give up. He elevated it to the next step. He pursued Jesus. And finally, after all those years of struggle, he received what he had been praying for. He received it. Healing takes a measure of faith, but it is not dependent on our measure of faith. It's dependent on our hope and in Christ. And if we're hoping in Christ and we're trusting the Lord, we will not give up, but we will stay persistent in pursuit of his power in our lives. We will perceive and pursue. When we step out in faith, believing he is who he is, he is faithful to his word, and the power of the Spirit will be poured out on your behalf. The first hindrance to healing is unbelief. The second hindrance to healing is understanding the source of sickness. Understanding the source of sickness. See, the ultimate source of sickness is the curse of sin and death in the world. Again, until Adam and Eve bit the apple or whatever fruit it was, I hope it tasted good because they jacked everything up. I hope that, was a wor- that fruit was worth it. But they messed everything up. But until they bit the fruit, there was no sickness and death. We would not be in this mess if they had not rebelled against God. We wouldn't have to deal with this at all. But praise the name of Jesus. It will not be long until it's all overdone. But just like the blood of Jesus and the death of Jesus was given for our healing, it's not just for our physical healing, but it's also for our emotional and spiritual healing. And many physical maladies, many sicknesses that we deal with on a regular basis are not the results of microscopic bacteria in the air, but they're a result of the brokenness of our very own hearts. God has ordained peace for us as his children, but yet what seems to be a common experience in our culture and life is stress and anxiety. Anyone want to throw out an amen? Feeling stressed, anxiety, depression. Stress accounts for the leading cause in many illnesses. And stress is also linked to the six leading causes of death, heart disease, cancer, lung ailments, accidents, cirrhosis of the liver, and suicide due to stress. And more than 75% of all physician office visits are for stress-related ailments and complaints. Sickness is not always a matter of a virus or bacteria. Sometimes it's just a matter of our heart. Anxiety and depression are on the rise as well as other emotional dysfunctions. And yet, emotional issues are one of the very conditions Christ bore for us on the cross and died to cure in our lives. He carried our sorrows, our agonies, our emotional dysfunctions. And the truth is that by and large, many of the illnesses we face are not caused by a physical, physical condition, but a spiritual condition. Unconfessed sin is one of those major factors influencing stress and anxiety. We carry these sins in our heart. They get locked up in our spirit. We try to ignore them and forget about them, but they don't go away. And it continues to eat away like a cancer in our soul, affecting our very health of our emotions and the very health of our bodies. Jesus in Matthew 18 reveals to us that even unforgiveness in the heart brings about a tortured soul. These matters of the heart work against us to create sickness. It invites sickness into our lives. In Hebrews 12, 15, the writer of Hebrews says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Bitterness is a root that branches out into your life and it affects more than just the unforgiving person. It affects everyone in their sphere of influence. It is a sin that multiplies, affecting many around. And bitterness is sickness of the soul. It is a sickness of the heart, beginning in the mind, will, and emotions of the person. And eventually, it will manifest itself in physical sickness. I mean, this verse, we we read often, James 5, 16, but listen to the truth of God's word in this verse. Here's what James says. 
He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. We like the healing part. We like the great power through prayer part. But why would James tell us to confess our sins to one another? Why would James tell us, confess your sins and that will lead to healing? Why do you think he would do that? It's because there is a link between sickness of the heart and physical sickness. There's a link between sickness in our soul and sickness in our lives. There's a need for simple physical healing. Some physical needs can be healed through uh, just basic over-the-counter medications and things like that, but there is a need for healing of the mind, the will, and emotions, going through a process of inner healing to cleanse all the junk and all the garbage that you've been carrying over the course of your life. And only then, once your inner being is cleansed and healed, can one experience the revelation of outer healing, healing of the body, as caused by issues of the heart. If we don't heal the heart, we are destined to continue the dysfunctional cycles that continue to aid in our physical brokenness. The first is uh, unbelief. The second is undiagnosed or unknown sources. And the third type or hindrance to our healing is demonic oppression. We serve a God, but we war against an enemy. Let's look again at the story of a man's son again. In Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 26. This is a very powerful passage of Scripture. It gives us a lot of insight into what we see in our world. And Mark chapter 9, again, the story of the son who was demonized, who was sick, says, when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. Some teachers of religious law were arguing with them, with the disciples. Then the crowd saw Jesus, and they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. Isn't it amazing that every time Jesus walks into a room, people stand in awe and are amazed? I mean, it's kind of the goal, right? If we could bring Jesus into the room, it would solve a lot of problems. But here, verse 16, Jesus says, what is all this arguing about? 17 says, one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently into the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid or weak, depending on your translation. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. And when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. And he replied, since he was a little boy. So quite a long time. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. And the spirit screamed through the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. And the boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as the people said, he's dead. So this boy is oppressed by an evil spirit. And the Bible records he was oppressed since he was a young child. It was, it was something that was upon him since he was a toddler, a young boy. And now this young man is continually afflicted by this, this spirit. And the symptoms he had were that he was unable to speak and he was un, unable to hear. Or at least it appeared that way. Today, in our world, we would call that being deaf or dumb or even unverbal or nonverbal. We would call that, we would label that in today's vernacular. This demon caused him to have what seems to be epileptic seizures that happen near fire or water. And one could argue that that was caught or brought on by visual stimuli uh, off the fire or the water that is set off similar to epilepsy today. However, 
regardless of the symptoms, regardless of how we can look at his symptoms and we can label it and we can diagnose it according to our medical scientific revelations today, the cause of this health issue was not a virus. It was not an accident. It was not poor genetics. It was a demon spirit. It was a demon spirit. And Jesus rebuked the deaf and dumb spirit. And when the spirit left, the boy was healed. Many people waste time and energy looking for a cure when the cure was already provided on the cross. The Holy Spirit is ready to administer the healing as his people rise up and stand in the gap for those oppressed by the enemy. This is the birthright of the church, and we need, we need to we need to we need to and get them seated in our hearts. Luke chapter 13, verses 11 through 13, another similar circumstance. It says Jesus saw a woman who had been crippled by what? An evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. He touched her and she instantly could stand straight. How she praised God. This woman in our world would be diagnosed with scoliosis or some other degenerative disease. But Jesus, the truth, the way, the truth, and the life reveals to us it was not a degenerative disease. It was not scoliosis. It was a demon spirit that had been afflicting this woman. He touched her, healed her sickness. The spirit leaves, and she is miraculously transformed. She's able to stand up straight where she never would have been able to do that any other way. Again, some healings do not occur because there are spiritual forces at work in a person's life causing the malady. And because the condition of their spiritual oppression is not dealt with, they continue to live and suffer under these sicknesses. And we live in a world today that trusts in human ingenuity in the medical field more than they trust in the power of God. We trust in the science book more than we trust in the scriptures. Now, I'm not saying... That going to a doctor is a sin. Right? I'm not saying that at all. I believe there's a place for our medical profession. I believe God does amazing things through our physicians in our hospitals. I really do. As a matter of fact, the gospel writer Luke, he was a doctor. And we have no indication that even after becoming a believer, he stopped being a doctor. God uses the medical field to bring healing into many people's lives. Paul the Apostle also encouraged his protege Timothy because he had some chronic stomach problems to drink a little wine for his stomach problems. Right? If going to the doctor was a sin or wrong or everything was always demons and this, that, and the other, he would have rebuked Timothy for his lack of faith, told him to see the elders, get his devil cast out, and then he'd be healed. But no, he didn't do that. He said, drink the wine. So I'm not saying that everything is the result of a demonic force, but what I am saying is that there are sources out there that go undiagnosed because our medical field has no concept for the spiritual world. They can't diagnose a spirit. They don't know the truth of the scripture because they're not looking for it. They're looking for what they can discover under a test tube and in a lab. But the blood of Jesus is what is the cure. The blood of Jesus is what affords our physical healing. It was shed for our healing. The truth, our hope, our faith is not in the created. It is in the creator. And so when sickness unfolds in our lives, when we get that bad diagnosis, when we get that bad report, often we go to God as a last resort. When, if we would go to him first, we might be able to save ourselves many, many troubles. And since science can't diagnose demonic oppression, again, many of these things, many conditions go uncured. Many people go unhealed because the condition behind the sickness goes untreated. And my wife and I, for going on two years now, God has led us into some, some pretty powerful steps of faith. We've been ministering to people in our area, in the area of inner healing and deliverance. God has led us to uh, another couple in our, our area who has the same calling, and so we formed a team, and we do this ministry, and we're seeing people find freedom in Christ from demonic oppression and sickness of the heart. Some of those who have received freedom, the moment the oppression is lifted, they are miraculously healed, just as we see in Scripture. 
Their healings we've seen have been tumors that have disappeared, food allergies that have been healed. There's pain in the body that has gone, depression and sickness that has gone. A bone has been mended. Mental and disorders have gone. Night terrors have gone. And honestly, I'm believing God for much, much, much more. Much more. Because the, the cause of the sickness is not anything the blood of Christ can overcome. And when we take care of the matter of the heart, when we take care of the condition or the source of the sickness, whether it be demonic oppression or need for inner healing, unconfessed sin, there's a very real truth. The blood of Christ heals all our sickness. Psalm 103, the psalmist writes, you heal all my diseases. And I believe that's God's will for the church. But this world has done a number on our faith and ability to believe God through the indoctrination of our educational system. So we're often torn, believe, torn between what the world says and what the Bible says. I was listening to um, this audio messages from the women's conference this past weekend. I just want to tell you that my wife did a, an amazing job. They wouldn't let me go because I'm not the right gender. And I thought, you know, at least in today's age, they'd overlook that, but nope. Uh, but uh, I listened to the audio, and she did a fantastic job. I'm so proud of her, and I look forward to the day when she gets up the courage to, to bring a word here for you all. But uh, another one of the other speakers was talking about how that we live in a world that has a lot of facts. There are a lot of facts that we experience in our world today, and often we allow those facts to shape our understanding and the way we view our world, and we listen to these facts, and they speak into our lives. But there's a difference between facts and truth. The Bible is truth. Jesus is truth. In Romans 12, 2, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to hold fast to the truth. But in the area of healing, in the area of sickness, we can point to a lot of facts, especially around sickness. We can prove sickness. We can prove symptoms. Like a runny nose is a fact. Chronic pain is a fact. There are things that we can look to as facts. But again, the facts should not determine our reality. The truth of God, the scriptures, should determine our reality. The truth of God tells us who we are, not the facts of life or the facts of the world. Anything other than Scripture is a lie from the pit of hell. It is a lie. And our Bible says God word, God's Word declares that Jesus died so that we could be healed holistically and completely, body, soul, and spirit. It is His will to heal, and if we ask, we shall receive by faith alone in the promises of God. We stand on the truth that we not only can be healed, but we will be healed if we trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross. If we believe his promises and walk in the healing power of the Spirit. But again, our identity is not that we are sick. The identity that we have, the reality that we have as followers of Christ is found in Isaiah 53, verse 5. It says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes, we are healed. We are not waiting for healing. We are healed. When we trust God and we ask for healing, what we're doing is we're waiting for our reality to come into alignment with his truth. We are already healed. The cure has already been provided, and the Spirit has already administered the power for the healing. And it's important to understand these hindrances to healing so our faith is not shaken. So the enemy can't overwhelm us with doubt and discouragement because we are healed. The facts may say otherwise, but we don't stand on the facts. We stand on the truth of the word of God. And the reality is that the mantle of Jesus, to be the healing, to be the healer, to heal all oppressed by the devil, has been passed now onto us as the church. And he has said, they shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. The mantle of healing has now come to the church. Jesus healed by the Spirit, and he heals us by the Spirit. And we heal through the Spirit as we build up the church, the body of Christ. And it's time for the church to begin walking in its identity as citizens of heaven, as sons and daughters of God. Take up the mantle of healing and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit as we pray for one another to be healed in body, 
soul, and spirit. Let's all bow our heads for just a few moments. No one looking around, just in a time and an attitude of prayer. I don't know what you've been dealing with. I really don't. I don't know what's in your life. I don't know what you've been struggling with. Maybe it's really just a crisis of faith. You've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus. You don't know him to be your Lord and Savior. And so you're still dealing with sickness in your spirit, longing for purpose, longing for that completion, longing to know true unconditional love, true hope. In just a few moments, when, we, when the music begins to play, I invite you to come down and allow us to pray with you so that you can receive healing for your spirit. Maybe you're here today and you're under an enormous amount of emotional turmoil. God bore your anguish on the cross. And every demonic lie that you've believed can be undone by bringing your pains to Jesus and allowing the Spirit of God to bring healing to your heart. And maybe today you just need to surrender to Christ and say, you know, God, I'm going to begin today to begin that process of inner healing. Search my heart, O God. See if there's any wicked thing in me and lead me on the path of everlasting and begin that process of inner healing. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Maybe you need to forgive somebody else. But the anxieties and the pains that you've been dealing with are not going to be restored, are not going to be solved until your heart is healed and you release these things to Christ. And let me encourage you, God is waiting. He is ready. But he's not going to take these burdens from you. You have to give it to him. You have to say, Father, my life is in your hands. In just a moment, when we stand for prayer, come forward. And allow us to pray with you and over you for that emotional healing. Maybe you have sickness in your body. You're, you've had a diagnosis or something that has been weighing heavy on you and you need physical healing. Come forward. The blood of Christ has been afforded so that you can receive healing in your body. And we will begin to pray and continue to pray until we see the fulfillment of that promise. Because Jesus said, keep on asking, keep on knocking, and you will receive what you're asking for. Whatever it is in your life, whatever you're going through, now is the time to respond. Maybe God's been laying on your heart a desire to begin stepping out in faith, to pray for people, to begin praying over people for healing. I invite you to join us down front and come pray with us. Help us pray over other people. This is the time for the church to respond. This is a time for the church to be the church and to allow the Spirit of God to raise the gifts up so that we can encourage and build up one another. Let's go ahead and let the music begin to play. Father in heaven, for the next few moments, God, let your presence fall. Spirit, I pray you draw every heart. And I pray your presence would fall in this room, your healing power would flow that people would be delivered right now from all oppression, from all struggle, from all pain. God, that people would be delivered from sickness, illness, discouragement, anxiety, that they be healed in the name of Jesus. And we trust and believe that. By your stripes, we are healed. For the next few moments, God, come, work. We're here. We're ready for you to transform our lives in the name of Jesus.